The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, podcasters. Welcome back to the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining us again today is our old friend, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Doing all right. Just getting ready to watch some basketball. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Had some uh, decent games yesterday and getting ready to see who else makes the Final Four today. By the time this podcast gets up on the Internet, those games will be over, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, got a pretty good show lined up for you here. Later in the day, um, Bill just talked to... Matt Klinker got an update from Sarasota. How'd that go, Will? Went real well. We uh, talked a little bit about what spring training has entailed for Matt and uh, how he's done and even got a little book review at the end of it. Yeah, outstanding. Well, we're going to talk about books here in just one second because we're going to open up the mailbag, but we'll play that uh, brief uh, update from Matt at the end of the podcast here after Bill and I get finished talking at you for a little And it is a short one this time for <laughs> I know. We only talk, we we only talk for about fifteen minutes, so it, you know you don't have to set aside your lunch hour or whatever to to listen to the interview today. I, I was giving you a hard time earlier. I'm not sure how. I didn't think you were capable of coming in under an hour, so that's impressive. Fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I I put my lips in a hammerlock. There you go. All right. Well, we'll get to that in just a uh, just a moment. First, wanted to uh, note a couple things. Had some really good uh, reviews and some positive feedback from some of you uh, through the email about the last podcast. Keep that comments, suggestions coming. We've got a new uh, email address for that, radio at redlegnation.com. But I want to go ahead and open the mailbag uh, before we start here. And had a question from Jeff in Florida. He lives about 50, 50 minutes away from Ed Smith Stadium, so for a little bit longer. He's close to the Reds' uh, spring training home. And he asks, what's the best book you've read and would recommend on our Reds. You want to take that or you want me to go first? You can go ahead. Well, I think there's several. Uh, obviously, the one I would say first, and this is uh, one of my favorites, obviously, Red, Red Leg Journal. Um, Greg Rhodes and uh, John Arardi put that together, and it's a, sort of a day-by-day with the Reds from... No, Red Leg, Red Leg Journal is Greg Rhodes and John Snyder. Nah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. See, I've already made one mistake. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to stop and start over here. I, all my flaws out for the audience to see. There yeah, you you're go. right. You're right. Um, but it's a, sort of a day-by-day with the Reds from the from the beginning. And it's you know so, so, somewhat uh, filled with minutiae. But for those of us that are you know obsessed with the Reds like we are, 
really fun to read back through that. Any thoughts? I think it's a great book. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with anything that Greg has written and been a part of. Uh, the book that he wrote, and I can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head, about the 1869 Reds, is a fantastic book. Um, and I don't. And, and if you're a big Red Machine fan, Red Leg Dynasty is the book. Absolutely, yeah. Do a search on Greg Rhodes. Uh, obviously, we did a podcast uh, interview with Greg. Uh, one of our earlier episodes. You can go to the RN Radio tab at RedLegNation.com to to find that one. Fan, fascinating interview. And just if you search uh, Amazon.com or wherever for Greg Rhodes, you can't go wrong with anything that he's written. Absolutely, and, and Greg's a big a big supporter of of, our, of Red Leg Nation, and I encourage everybody to go back and listen to that interview because it, it it goes into the history of the Reds and the Reds Hall of Fame and his work with the Reds, and it's just it was one of the my it's one of my favorites of all the ones we've done. And Chad and I did that interview with Greg together at the, at the Reds Hall of Fame, and it was it was a fun afternoon. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He was fascinating uh, to listen to, and he could sit and talk about the history of this team for as long as you want to sit and talk with him. So, absolutely. Uh, another one I want to mention. Uh, first of all, you know, we, you've seen probably seen us on the on the blog. We've uh, mentioned Joe Posnanski. He's a sports writer from Kansas City a few times, and he wrote a book a couple years ago that I think is one of the best. Well, probably, I'd say it's the best baseball book I've ever read, called "The Soul of Baseball." Um, it's about uh, sort of a road trip with Buck O'Neill, the old uh, Negro Leagues player, and just just fascinating. Well, he's got a book coming out this September called The Machine, and it's about uh, the obviously the Big Red Machine. Um, I haven't uh, read it yet, obviously, because it's coming out this fall, but I have no doubt this guy's a fantastic writer. That's going to be a, a great book. I'm really looking forward to reading that, and I've actually already pre-ordered it at Amazon.com. Probably shouldn't have done that. Maybe I could have gotten him to send me a review copy, but uh, but I wanted to mention that one. That's going to be that's going to be great. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing that one myself. Let's uh, let's move on to see what else we can talk about this week. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, we did, you you put, wrote a post at Red Leg Nation that I thought was interesting, and uh, you know, got some more information just today on this uh, sort of the fight for that last spot in the Reds bullpen between uh, Bill Bray and uh, Danny Herrera and or Pedro Viola. Um, you posted this week this quote from dusty baker that just uh i don't know it i don't want to say it in fear it? yeah it's just it's ridiculous uh makes you wonder where, what he's thinking and i'll go ahead and uh and, and read that quote he's talking about obviously danny herrera who you know, at that time had retired 16 of the 17 batters he'd faced in spring training and, and you'll recall he got a lot of people out last year um he doesn't look like your prototypical pitcher and that he's you know what three foot ten or something he's short and um but he just gets people out and Dusty's quote was, guys like him are really effective in the spring, you know, as if he's just, you know, he just doesn't get people out. He's just, well, it's a spring, you know, he's, batters are still getting adjusted. He's, he's, you know, effective in the spring. I thought that was sort of demeaning to Herrera. What'd you think? Well, I thought he threw him under the bus. I mean, he makes it sound like he's, he doesn't have any history, you know, like he doesn't have a history. I mean, this guy's been successful everywhere he's pitched. I mean, he, he's not, you know, your six five, you know, two hundred thirty pound guy like you know some of these guys are. But he, he got he has six or seven pitches apparently from everything you read, and he gets people out. And for for Baker to dismiss him like that to me is is ridiculous. I don't I can't imagine what he was thinking. 
I can't either. And I don't know if you saw John Fay's blog this morning, but he had a talk with Dusty just this morning about that same issue. And first of all, he said uh, that it sounds like Bill Bray's roster spot is in jeopardy because his velocity is down five or six miles an hour, which is that's a concern, especially with how many injuries Bray has uh, gone through. And uh, Dusty said, you know, quote, that's the question right now. He did a good job for us last year. He's got outstanding stuff. Yesterday, his velocity was down. You don't know if that's from overthrowing. He's been checked, and they can't find anything. And then Face asked him about Herrera, you know, and whether Herrera would get the call if it's not Bray. And, and Dusty didn't really say one way or the other, but he did say this. Early in the year, change of speed guys are the hardest to hit, Baker said. And, again, that sort of felt like a little bit dismissive of, uh, of Herrera. So similar to what we heard earlier in the week. Yeah, I I don't get it. I, it's almost like du- there's dusty guys and then there's other guys, you know, and it doesn't sound like Carrera's a dusty guy. Well, I, I hope that's I hope that's not the case, but that's the way it comes across to me. Yeah, you know, dusty guys should be the guys that get people out, period. I've never been a huge Herrera fan for any reason. I mean, I, he's gotten people out, so I like him as a prospect for the Reds, but um, – you know, I never had any feelings one way or the other on uh, – I thought that Bray should get the first shot because of what he's done in the past. But I'm starting to hop on that Herrera bandwagon now just because I feel like he's sort of being dismissed. Maybe he's not in the plans. I don't know. If he keeps, and, and you remember his uh, Red Leg Nation corre- uh, connection. That is – He was a high school teammate of Logan Parker. Oh, that's right. That's right. I had forgotten that. Uh, spotlight <laughs> player Logan Parker. We'll talk about him a little bit here uh, later in the podcast as well, but no, I'd forgotten about that. Um, so, I don't know. Bray's probably hurt again, sounds like. Who knows? And uh, Maybe Herrera make the roster. We'll see how Dusty uses him, or if Dusty does uh, bring him along. Uh, well, we'll see. The other thing is, you know, I, we're starting to hear a number of guys that we can talk about and that we can't that, that are starting to go through loss of velocity in the spring and, and – you wonder whether they're hitting that dead that dead arms part of spring training, which from everything I've ever read just seems like it's a, a normal part of spring training. And I, I've never heard any explanation for it, but I've, I've heard more than one pitcher claim that they go through a part of spring training where their arm goes dead, they lose velocity, and then it comes back. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Um, they are getting towards the end of spring training, and it's a, sort of a drag at this time. Um, and, and you do hear about uh, these dead arms becoming an issue. At this time, we'll see. We're you know less than a, or just about a week away from opening day, which I just I can't wait for that. I've taken the day off work that day. I haven't decided whether or not I'm actually going to try to go to Cincinnati, but I've already uh, got uh, someone in to come in and uh, substitute for me. So I'm ready. I'm going to take that day off and watch the game at least. Okay. Well, anyway, what what next? What do you want to talk about next? Well, I, I think it's worth talking about. Um the last spot on the bench, the left-handed spot on the bench. I think John Fay's kind of opened up some some discussion in his in his blog and in his articles. You know, we had talked about. I think we talked about last week that we thought kind of thought it'd be Nick's, but since then he's really cooled off. And and Fay reports that the Reds may be looking at uh, the free agent list for some left-handed hitters. And he reported this week that Valentin was at Ed Smith Stadium after he was cut by the Nationals. So uh, you know the Reds like him. Definitely. Um, and there were some other left-handed hitters. Gonzalez is still out there. You know, I don't know who else. Um, and then you have to assume there will be some cuts here probably, you know, this week. 
It's, but it sounds like they're looking for a left-handed bat for the bench. Well, I went on record in the last podcast as saying that I thought Daryl Ward was going to get that spot, and so it promptly put the kiss of death on him. He was released uh, shortly thereafter. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of agree with you that Lance Nix looked like the next guy that would claim that last spot, but now it's, you're starting to wonder. Um, clearly, when you're talking about Javier Valentin, the, the Latin love machine, as they call him, um, you know, he's got a history with this team where clearly he's uh, sort of been, he's been that third catcher for a while that, that we've complained about, but he's been there. And it gives him another, another opportunity to carry three catchers. It does. Although he, <laughs> he caught very little last year, uh, he's sort of the left handed bat off the bench. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, uh, to see him. Yeah, just based on, on history and what, what we've read from John Fay in the last couple of days, I, I, it, it sounds to me like odds on favorite. Yeah, and he was just cut from the na- Nationals, right? Yeah. So and Luis got- they, they, they did they did a lot of Reds movement this week. Yeah, imagine that. They cut the the head off there earlier in the spring, though, uh, with uh, getting rid of Bowden when he resigned uh, under. Yeah, Pro- and then Willie 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 Mo got put on waivers yesterday, and then they moved um, Young onto their forty man. Well, did you hear the story behind moving Young onto the forty man? No. Big controversy uh, in Washington because. Uh, Demetri Young had been taken off the 40-man um, so they could protect someone, I think, in the Rule 5 draft, maybe it was. And Jim Bowden had sort of given him a handshake agreement that before opening day, they'd put him back on the 40-man. Uh, uh, but never never in writing. Bowden never told anybody about it. And uh, Demetri Young, I guess, started complaining and said, hey, wait a minute, you know, Bowden's gone, but he told me he was going to put me back on there. And so they put him back on just because of this handshake deal. So even sort of beyond the grave, uh, so to speak, Bowden's coming back to haunt the Nationals. You know, the uh, speaking of the 40-man and bringing this back to the Reds, it, it seems like at minimum we're going to be carrying, we're going to have to pick up two guys that are going to have to be added to the 40-man. It sounds like Gomes has got the team made. Right. And whoever this left-handed bat ends up being is also going to be have to add to the 40-man. And if you look at the Reds' 40-man roster, as not like the past few years, there's no there's no easy decision there on, on who you're going to take off the 40-man to add these two guys. And I, I don't see anybody going from the 15, you know, going on to the 60. 60-day DL, right? Which make you know, which gives you an out for that 40-man. But I am you look at that 40-man roster, and I don't know who they'll take off the 40-man. Yeah, I'm just looking uh, looking down the list right now. Um, I don't see any obvious candidates. I don't either. Uh, Sam, look. I think if, I, if it was me, I mean, I'd be looking at Castillo. But you know, they they talk Castillo up a lot. And you wonder whether Ricker, I don't know how you pronounce that guy, the guy's name, you know, but they, they you know, R-I-C-H-A-R, the second baseman that they came, they came over in a deal last year. You know, he's put up good numbers. I, I think, you know, I think Tatum's a possibility, but he's hit, and, and they're, they're, it's not like they're real deep at catcher. Yeah, I don't see anybody. We've only got four outfielders on the 40-man period, so uh, none of those guys are going, obviously. Bruce Dickerson, Hop. Hopper or Tavares. Um, Hopper's a possibility, I guess. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, although with a lack of depth in outfield, um, gosh, I can't believe we don't have more outfielders on the forty man than that. Just just looking at it right now. Yeah, you got some coming up though. You know, I, Dorn hasn't had to go on to the forty man yet. Stubbs uh, hasn't had right. to go on to the forty man yet. Uh, Todd Frazier has been playing some outfield a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I think Logan even got a start, one start in the outfield. So probably if I were gonna, you know, I'd, I'd have Wilkins Castillo up near the top of my list. Uh, probably, I, I, I would guess uh, Richard or how do you pronounce his name, Danny Richard. Um, I'd have him at the top of the list. Um, I, and, and between you and me, I, even though we're not deep in the outfield, I think Hopper, with the yeah. injury history, the lack of power, he, he's really only had one productive season in the majors. He would have to be somebody else you'd have to try to sneak through. Right. And, you know, talking about the lack of outfielders on the 40-man, we'll be putting two guys on the 40-man probably that are outfielders. So uh, Hopper's got to be probably, you know, he's, you know, gosh, he's 30 years old, um, turned 30 years old this week, actually. Uh, yeah. You also have to wonder if, you know, there's no way Jock Jones makes this team. Do they release him? Do they move him to try to move him to Louisville? Well, he had an agreement that if he didn't make the roster that they would uh, release him. Uh, so he could try to hook on somewhere else. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them try, ask him to go to Louisville and him agree because his career's in shambles. Um, he might think he but, can catch on with someone else. But if he goes to Louisville... It's going to irritate does me. He, does, he, does he start? Yeah, and who does he start over? Some guys that have That's a chance exactly. to help the team. You know, does he play in front of a, of a Danny Dorn or this Darnell McDonald or... or you know, who, who knows, or, you know, or Danny, you know, or, uh, I don't know, Anderson. Right. You know, Cumberland, I, I have no idea. But I, I would hate for them to take him to Louisville and him play in front of a young guy. I don't mind him using a Triple A a lot of times as sort of a, you know, to store someone in case there are injuries or a need on the major league roster throughout the year. But Jones isn't that guy I want coming up. Uh, you know, I'd rather have it be uh, Cumberland even. Um, or, uh, you know, one of these younger guys that need to get at bats. We've got, you know, sort of going to have a clog at Double A and Triple A if uh, they have people like Jones. Yeah, in the outfield. It could it could back up the whole system, and it, to me, that makes no sense. No, you got to look at the guys that are going to be have a chance of being part of the next, you know, good Reds team, and making sure they get their at bats. And you don't want a guy like Jock Jones taking at bats away from. I, I still am. It's got to be. You know, we talk about Dusty guys. That's got to be the only reason he's still here. I, I can't believe he's still. With the team, yeah, I you know maybe he needs the meal money. That's you know I don't <laughs> maybe maybe Dusty's uh, helping him. I would ex- Matt did tell me something yesterday though that I didn't re- I had never thought of this, but he said they pay the major leaguers on Tuesday, so he thinks there'll be cuts before Tuesday, so they don't have to pay guys. Uh, that's an interesting one. That's, that's I never thought of it that way, but wouldn't surprise me a bit. No, me either. That's the see. That's exactly why this spotlight uh, player program is so valuable to to us. You know, that's something I wouldn't have known otherwise. Right. We're getting it from a guy in Sarasota. Uh, what else have we heard from Sarasota? Sarasota. Anything else relating to maybe Logan Parker that you want to talk about? Just that Matt told me yesterday that Logan is just absolutely killing the ball at Double A. Um, Matt is or uh, Logan is still with the Double A team. Uh, Yonder Alonso has been moved down to the to the high A team, so he's got, looks like he's going to start the year in Sarasota, and, and Logan's going to start the year in Carolina. Um, How big a surprise is that? I think that it is a smart move because I think they want with Alonso. I think you'd want him to have success early in his career. And if they think that he might struggle a little bit in, in, in AA, it makes more sense to me let him go down to Sarasota, tear it up, and then you've got him up there. You know, you can have him in, in Carolina by the middle of the season. 
And on and on the, and the other side of the coin is Logan Parker was killing the ball at the end of last season, and you're rewarding him for what he did last year, and apparently he's carried it right through into spring training this year. And as I've said before, I really expect big things out of Logan this year. I think he feels like he has something to prove to the organization in a good, you know, and in a, I mean that in a good way. Right. But uh, I think that he's using the drafting of Yonder Alonso as a motivating factor. Yeah, we've used the term uh, that he's got a chip on his shoulder, not in a bad way, but just in the sense that, you know what, I'm going to show them. I'm, you know, he's worked, yeah. He worked hard on the offseason. He's, he's killing the ball now. I'm glad he looks like he's going to get a chance in Double uh, A to start the season. Uh, I really, it's a big surprise to me. I thought Alonzo would start there no matter what, but I do agree with you that it's a smart move. Uh, you know, Why rush him along? Double A will be there. Let him go down and uh, start in high A if he you know, hits the ball like everybody expects him to. You know, you can make those decisions later on down the line. And yeah, he could be he could be in Carolina by Memorial Day. Right. And and what you're doing by sending him down there as well is you're saying to Logan Parker, you know, hey, you know, you're gonna get some at bats now. You've you've earned at least a shot at getting some at bats in double A to start the year and, and I fully expect Logan to take uh, take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, that that Carolina team could be loaded. I mean there there could be depending on how Louisville shakes out, now you don't know what they're gonna do with Valleca, you don't know what they're gonna do with Dorn. And a lot of that has to do with whether Yanish makes the team or Keppinger. You know, it's all going to flow downhill. But that Carolina team could be fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I hope we get a chance to get down there and see them. I'm actually going to see them, uh, I think it's June 18th, maybe, 19th, something like that, when they come to uh, play the Tennessee Smokies I'm in Sevierville, Tennessee. We're going to be down there that weekend and going to get a chance to see Carolina at that time. That'd be, that'd be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, the other guy that's uh, that's – really hitting the ball well apparently is the the there's only one 07 draft pick that's still on the triple a roster and that's todd frazier yeah. he's still on the triple a roster at this point so he must be ripping the ball yeah he's uh he's exceeding exceeding my expectations i'm not really a draft guru but um he's he's moving progressing at a very nice clip you got to think by the end of uh 2009 yeah he might be a guy they look at uh at bringing up he he might get a September call up if he if he, you know if he makes it to Louisville at some point during this year and, and with injuries and progress you don't know. Right. Heck, I don't even I couldn't even I wouldn't even want to predict where Todd's going to end up playing. No, much less what team. But if he if he keeps hitting the ball, I think you're going to have a lot of decisions in the offseason to make the Reds are with respect to third base if if you want to put. Frazier at third base, or there's going to be a lot of decisions to make in the next uh, next little bit. Good decisions, I think. You know, having an abundance of talent is not a bad thing. Nope. You know, yeah. You never you never want to you never complain about having too many good players. No, definitely not. And that's something we haven't really had to worry about in a long time. But I think some of these uh, some of the cream of the crop in the in the minors are getting ready to be where they're in this position to hit Cincinnati, and be a lot of fun decisions to you know. That the Reds are gonna have to make. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but uh, we'll leave that to Walt Jockety, I guess. Yeah, it's gonna make the Reds uh, fun to watch in the next couple of years. I mean, I think you and I have talked about it before. If you can't get excited about watching a Joey Votto or or a Jay Bruce or a Johnny Cueto or an Edison Volquez, you know, learn this game and grow as players, then then you're you know, you, you're still in the '60s, wishing the you know Bob Gibson was still out there or something. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think you know even if you even if you're as down on this team as we've been at times, although I've gotten awfully optimistic here lately, but 
Um, even if you're down on this team, I don't think they have a chance of winning much at all this year. Golly, there's still so many storylines to watch that are going to make this a real fun team. And you just named some of the guys uh, that are just going to be really fun to watch. So it's going to be a, you know, even if we don't win a lot, it's going to be a fun year, I think, in a lot of ways. So um, because, you, you know, we've talked about it before. they got an opportunity the next two or three years to really turn the corner. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's there, there's a window opening for the Reds. Uh, the Cubs are going to always be tough to deal with because they've got so much money to spend. Right. But but there's an opportunity to challenge for divisions and, and wild cards in the next two to three years, I think. And then you you wonder how long the window stays open. But I think there is a window in the next two to three years. Definitely. So we've waited a long time for it. Let's hope it uh, comes to pass. Absolutely. Well, we had a couple other items. Maybe we can catch up on those next podcast. But let's go ahead and sort of lead into your talk with Matt Klinker, um, want to mention before we sign off with you, Bill, that uh, you are supposed to be talking, I believe, to uh, have, have another pretty good guest uh, for next week. You can mention him if you want. If not, we'll leave it as a surprise for next week. That's okay. We're, uh, I'm supposed to enter, uh, have a talk with a Reds beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer, John Fay, this week. I've known John for about 25 years. We used to live in the same two-family house many years ago. So uh, that should be a fun interview. Um, I'm gonna see what we can get John to tell us. Yeah, that'll be good, and we'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, look forward to that. And at this time, anything you want to say, sort of to lead into the talk you had, to sort of I call it, I guess the Sarasota update with uh, Matt Klinker. Anything you wanted to want to add to intro that? No, I just uh, <laughs> when I talked to Matt on the phone, he uh, he must have had a long day that day because he sounded tired. <laughs> He, uh, but he was he was mad. He was very open, very honest, and very friendly, and, and happy to be involved with with our with our podcasts. And, and he's just such a great guy. Uh, we're lucky in the, that the kids that we're dealing with are, are such great kids, and they're smart, and they want to succeed, and, and they're the kind of people that you really want to do well. Absolutely, and and you know, Clinker uh, Clink, in particular, but they're all working hard down there and, and doing pretty well this spring. So we got our fingers crossed. All right. Well, um, Bill, thanks. Thanks again. We're going to go ahead and listen to uh, Bill's talk with Matt Clinker. I'll be back after the end of that to, with some closing thoughts. Um, but here's Bill and Matt. We're pleased to be on the phone today from Sarasota with one of our spotlight players, the ever popular Matt Clinker. Thanks for giving us some of your time today, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. How's everybody out there in Red Legs Nation? I hope they're doing well today. Start. Uh, let's start out today. We're going to do a quick one today. So uh, start out by telling us what spring training is like for you. You know, what's your routine and how it changes as spring training moves along? All right. Uh, well, as soon as we get here, pitchers and catchers. Um, pitchers will throw about every other day on the mound. Uh, we'll do, you know, you do one one day just on the side doing a bullpen, take a day off, and then the, the next day will be like a, a live batting practice session or a a simulated game, um, just thrown to some of the catchers um, who will stand in as hitters. And then once the position players show up, then then we'll start building up in games, you know, one inning, two innings, three innings, four innings, um, et cetera. Um, So it's about every other day. And then, like, the last week of camp, you know, about right now, now is when we're spreading it out to uh, our our normal five-day routine for starters and – any given day for relievers. All right. 
you're assigned to a team when spring training starts, right? Uh huh. And you started with with which level this year? Uh, I started with Louisville. Uh, I was on the Louisville roster for about uh, about the first two weeks of camp. Um, I think uh, my, myself, Scott Carroll, and, and Todd Frazier um, were the 07 guys um, on the Louisville roster to start. And then, uh, you know, obviously after the, the big team makes their first cut, and then everything kind of trickles down. And I've been on the, uh, the Carolina roster since. Were you, were you surprised to start at the AAA level a little bit? Um, I mean, I, I, had a, I had a thought that I might um, start, start at AAA. Um, just, uh, you know, doing some quick numbers in my head with what guys were at the big league camp and, and what guys were in minor league camp um, and healthy. Um, so, yeah, I had a, I had a somewhat idea. I thought it would be about a 50-50 where I would start. Um, how much did the, did the WBC affect the team assignments, do you think? Uh, I would say, I mean, a lot, considering we had two of our starters, um, you know, two of our major league starters um, with uh, their, you know, with the Dominican um, so then, you know, that's two more starters from the minor league that probably were invited to camp. Um, so how everything trickles down at the end of camp, you, you know, it kind of trickled up um, yeah. for the WBC. Do, do you think the WBC, those guys that took that took part in that, even on, you know, even the guys on the on the minor league level, you know, Sullivan and, and guys like that, does that put them behind the rest of you guys that were already in camp or, or in front or, or what? Or do you think it, it just depends um, on the individual? I think it definitely depends on the individual and the country. I mean, I know there's been some major league teams, um, you know, not satisfied with with the amount of innings some of their pitchers threw. Um, but, I mean, I think that's part of it, and that's maybe the sacrifice you make for playing for your country. Um, and, you know, maybe you just get that work in on the side or – you know, those should be the best baseball players for that country. They they should be able to catch up pretty quickly. Um, but that, I mean, that's just my opinion. So so, how have you thrown this spring? You've been happy with with how you've thrown? Uh, yeah. I mean, the first outing uh, was good. I was mainly just pumping fastballs and changeups. Um, I gave up two runs on two hits and a walk. Um, so far, that's been my only walk. I walked the the first guy face this spring. <laughs> And that's been the only walk I've surrendered. So, um, you know, and that that's my that was my whole key or my whole approach to spring training was really just throw strikes. And um, the second outing, I really had all three pitches, um, so I had you know, a lot of strikeouts. And then my final outing, uh, which was two days ago at Boston, um, I, I really was just my my curveball wasn't really consistent, so I was just stuck with my fastball changeup. Got a lot of pop ups and, and ground balls, so. Um, I've done pretty well, two earned runs, nine innings. Can't uh, can't be mad about that. So uh, I think I'll probably have one more four or five inning outing, um, and then and then hit it running. Now, when you said you did like the other night day, you said you didn't have your your curveball. You didn't have your good curveball. Mm-hmm. Do you still use it then as a tease pitch or something like that, or do you go completely away from it when you don't have it? No, like I still threw it um, in like o two one two situations. Um, but you know, if it's a, I call it an action ball count or like a, a need to get a decision pitch, like two two, uh, 
know, then definitely mm -hmm. stick to a pitch. I know I'm going to get over the plate. Okay. How, how does your your uh, your spring success or how you're throwing, maybe not necessarily statistical success, but how you're throwing, how does it compare to last spring? Uh, I mean, really the same. Um, I, I, I think I've, I've thrown about the same. The results have definitely been different. Um, last spring I, got, I, I did really well my first two outings and then got touched around a little bit my second two outings. But in, both last year and this year, and maybe just the way I pitch in general, or at least I hope so, is, you know, just throw it over the plate, let the guys get themselves out, eight guys, you know, seven guys behind you and your catcher. Um, you know, let the hitter make, make mistakes and hit a bad pitch. Um, but, yeah, the results have been differently, hopefully because I'm just mixing it up a little bit more with different off-speed pitches. And, uh, but throwing strikes, that's the name of the game. So you think like the year's experience maybe has is, is, is shown the difference is what it sounds like you're saying? I mean, maybe. Um, but I, I think smarter. definitely, yeah, definitely being able to throw a changeup on any count, I think, is, uh, I think, led to my success last year as, as well as, um, as this year so far. So um, it, it, based on what you've, you've done this spring, is there anything in your off-season regimen that you'd change? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I feel really healthy. My body feels strong. Um, arm feels great. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not yet. Not yet. I mean, long season, but uh, yeah, everything. Everything I guess is is good thus far. Okay, so at this point, you haven't been told where you're going to be assigned yet. No, okay. um, we still. When we left, they posted new rosters for tomorrow. I think we got. Uh, we still have 15 pitchers on the AAA, 14 on the double, and then obviously uh, some guys still in Major League Camp that got to come down. So um, there's still going to be some trickle down. So we'll see um, whether it's uh, Carolina or you know um, a, a start in Sarasota. Uh, just got to get the ball every fifth day and and do what I can. So, so the way this is announced is it just goes up on a sheet somewhere, and that's where you you know there, there's nothing formal if you if you get moved down a level. Um, not not really. Just look at the sheet every day. Um, you know, uh, you know, even Alonzo. You know, I think when when he got um, pushed down to the Sarasota level, I, I just come in and it's on the sheet. You know, whether it's first rounder or uh, free agent. You know, it's Pretty much everybody's on the same level, and nobody gets preferential treatment. It's here it is, boys. Let's go get them. You had you had told me that you had hoped to pitch in one of the futures games. Is has there been any talk of the futures games at all? Yeah, um, there's been talk. Uh, I think Jordan Smith, um, who pitched in Sarasota and Chattanooga last year, will be starting the the game in Dayton. I'm not sure if that's official yet or not, but I think that's kind of the rumor going around. Um, I don't think I will be participating in either game. Not sure if that's, uh, you know, they don't consider me a prospect or it didn't work out with, uh, you know, my days um, scheduled as a starter. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it uh, wasn't tabbed this year, so uh, maybe maybe next year. So, is this, I mean, are you disappointed or is it just one of those, if everything goes right, things that would have been nice for it to happen for you? No, I mean, it, it definitely would have been great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the season and, 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 you know, being able to be on the right day um, throwing once the season opens is, 
I think, um, personally, a lot more important than, uh, uh, you know, making a one-inning stint, you know. Uh, but it should definitely still be a great game um, and definitely uh, something the fans will definitely enjoy. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize until I was looking around today that there's going to be two Futures games. Yeah, there's going to be one in Zebulon as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I was poking around on their website today and, and saw that. Uh, Matt, tell us about where your confidence level is about getting to the big leagues where, compared to where it might have been last year or before spring training. Uh, I mean, I think to make it to the big leagues, you got to always have it in your mind that that's definitely capable for you. So, I mean, whether it's with the Reds or somewhere else, you know, I, I think – before I, I, you know, I call it quits in baseball. I'm going to make it to the majors, whether it's as a starter with the Reds, as a reliever, a closer. You know, in some capacity, I, I you know, I'm 100% sure I'll make it there someday, some way, somehow. Um, and you know, as far as like a day-to-day approach, how that affects it, you know, I'm not sure, but um, you know, I, I think. Confidence-wise, you got to – I mean, why else play if you don't think you're going to make it? There you go. Um, okay, Matt, now this is just you and I talking. You know, there's nobody listening here. <laughs> so uh, who who or have you been have you been impressed with down there? Or, or who's surprised you how they looked? Or has is, is there been anybody that you've heard about that maybe you haven't seen that's been impressive to the team? You know, any can you give us any scoop? Uh, I don't know if there's been any dark horses. Uh, I mean, obviously, Frazier's looked really, really good. Drew Stubbs has been on base almost every time I turn around and look at the AAA game. It seems like he's, uh, you know, scoring another run for him. Um, Philippe Valiquette's been thrown really well. Um, trying to think here on the fly. Um, I heard a rumor that Frazier was getting some time in the outfield. It, 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 yeah, I think uh, he actually played left field today in the double-A game. Um, what about Logan? He, Has he been playing any in the outfield? Uh, Logan had – he's gotten one start in the outfield. Um, he's been dh uh hitting the cover off the ball. You know, not a lot of home runs, but, you know, his thing, you know, just hitting singles and doubles and, um, you know, causing uh, havoc. Mm-hmm. And what, which roster is Logan? Havoc for the pitcher. Which, which roster is Logan on right now? Uh, he's with Double A. Great. Um, Zach Cozart's still with Double A. Frazier. Um, so uh, definitely not 25 guys at the Louisville and Chatt- or, uh, Carolina levels yet. So there's going to be some cuts, but uh, that's expected. Yeah. Um, okay, last question now. Now i got to preface, okay. preference this and – for everybody, you know. Now, Matt's a very intelligent man, but despite his fine upbringing education, I found that he was grossly deficient in literature a while back because uh-huh. he'd never read Jim Bouton's Ball Four, which is the greatest baseball book ever written. So I lent him my copy, and so Matt, give us a, a baseball player's view of Ball Four. Uh, it's uh, it's a great book, unbelievable. Um, anytime I talk to like one of the older um, instructors. Um, uh, you know, I always ask them, you know, if they faced, um, Jim, you know, how, how good his knuckleball was, but it's just crazy how much he was ostracized for the book where looking back on it now, you know, how many, um, you know, truth tellers we've had from 
Canseco to, you know, Joe Torrey's new book where um, they're probably telling a lot more secretive kind of things compared to just, you know, the clubhouse atmosphere that, that Bowden did. Um, but it's an awesome book, and definitely from from my perspective, it just it hit home on so many levels. Um, you know, his relationship with his pitching coach and his manager, it's just like the game hasn't changed at all. You you had, you told me a story about you were going to talk to Griffey Senior about a story that was in ball in the ball, the ball five section of the book. Have you got a chance to to ask Griffey Senior about about whether he actually did fall down when he bowed it against Bowden in, in his in his when he had his comeback with the Braves? Yeah, I, I did. Um, in the book, Bowden says that uh, he, he struck Griffey out on a knuckleball. It was a windy day, so the thing was just dancing, and Griffey swung so hard at it he 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 fell down and. Talked to talked to Griff about it the other day, and he said he was playing for Sparky Anderson, and he said something about if the pitcher throws it slow, you got to swing slow. And you know, Griff was like, "Well, that's a bunch of bunch of horse horse uh, manure." So he thought he was just going to knock it out of the ballpark and wound up on his behind. Uh, um, but yeah, definitely a, a, a true statement um, <laughs> confirmed by the batter. There you go. Matt, as always, we really appreciate your involvement with Red Lake Nation and all the time you give us. Uh, good luck this spring and this season, and we'll talk to you real soon, okay? Definitely appreciate the support, and uh, go Reds. Okay, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always, send any comments or concerns or suggestions to. Actually, we've got a new email address now. It's radio at redlegnation.com. We enjoy getting your feedback. If you have any questions that you want to be answered on the phone or just any, uh, any comments about the state of the Reds that you'd like to be read on the, uh, on the podcast, uh, feel free to send those to us, radio at redlegnation.com. If you haven't already, go subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. That's the best way that you can ensure uh, that you don't miss a single episode of Red Leg Nation Radio. Do a search for Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes. Or you can click the uh, little uh, tab that we have there at redlegnation.com. It's the RN Radio tab up at the top. It's got all the updates, information, and uh, links to subscribe via iTunes or via RSS. Thanks again to all of you out there in the nation. This is Chad Dotson saying so long.